This podcast. is actually recording. Oh, because it was start recording, see? Hey! And we're live. Forms. Hey, everybody! Welcome to yet another special... Spe- this year, we did video game franchises, as you know. If you don't know, go back into our archives, listen to our Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, and PC... Um, episodes of our um, of the of our March Madness a-thon, and yep. then our final episode where we did our bracket and found out what the best uh, video game franchise according to us is. Yes, uh, but we will not spoil that here. You have to listen to no. the two and a half hours of it. We will tell you. We will tell you that this will not be like that two and a half hour broadcast. No, no, this will be a succinct one hour capped. Um, Bonus episode. Succinct is not a word I feel like you could describe the media boat podcast with. When you, when we keep it to an hour, <laughs> it is. And with that... <laughs> like our soul, I think the shortest we've ever done is my solo cast, which was a crisp 30 minutes. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never have that again. Uh, we will, but in November. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so yeah, uh, so why don't you tell our listeners why we're doing this bonus episode? So we're doing this bonus episode because we... When we broke down our video game brackets, mm-hmm. we decided to keep it to the uh, franchises of each company. Yes. So it had to be strictly Nintendo, strictly Sony, strictly, strictly Microsoft, Sorry. and mostly PC. <laughs> <laughs> mostly PC. The reason why we did that is because if we had literally done every single video game franchise we could think of, it would have been too crazy. We wouldn't have been, in, been able to narrow it down as much as we did. And if you've been listening to them, we were hyping up that we were going to do a third-party free-for-all. Well, that would have taken probably like four hours to record because, yes, just the idea of narrowing anything down and determining like what ones matter and which ones don't would have been insane. So while we were just trying to put down top franchises, we realized we couldn't do that. No. And so we switched. We called an Audible yeah. and switched it to PCs. So instead, uh, we're going to kind of give credit where credit is due to those franchises we didn't talk about because they are multi-platform. Uh, and so we're not going to do this in any sort of like organized manner, right? We're just no. going to kind of just, hey, we didn't talk about this. We should talk about this real briefly. Yes. And to start that, we're going to uh, start off with one of the biggest companies um, in the video game sphere. Okay. That is third party. I love and the video that game is, sphere. And that is EA. EA has a okay. lot of third title, uh, third third party titles. Yeah. Uh, most notably, Madden. So yeah, I mean, EA, the conversation is in two parts. It's EA Sports and then everything else. Well, because with EA Sports, if it's in the game, <laughs> it's in the game. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, internationally, maybe, when you think EA Sports, you think of FIFA. But at least here in the States, when you think EA Sports, it's definitely Madden. It's their biggest selling title in the U.S. It used to be a huge event whenever a Madden came out. It is still, it is still televised on ESPN when they have tournaments. Um, it's a big deal. Like, Madden is used to predict the Super Bowl every year. Like, it's a thing that is, like, just as, like, much of a tradition when it comes to football as the actual games on television. Even the name Madden came from John Madden, the yeah. broadcaster, and is no former longer associated... coach, former player. Yes, which is no longer associated, at least amongst our generation, right. of the broadcaster, the player, and more of the video game. Because EA yeah. has other... Uh, sports licenses, but those are 
NHL, NBA. It's the one it's, this that is the one they that's... kept the name on. Yeah. They used to have other names on their other properties as well. But yeah, uh, Madden stuck around, I think, because of just how it has gone on from, yeah, from meaning the man. The game. The game. He is he is not a per. It's like Tom Clancy's. Right. Like, nobody even know, remembers, oh yeah, Tom Clancy is a, was a real person and died. Right, and Tom Clancy is a novelist, <laughs> not necessarily... <laughs> Just what they put this video game on. No, uh, John Madden, uh, who is still alive, we should say, yes. uh, at least as of this recording. Uh, but yeah, uh, his name is still on there, even though he's not even in the game. Uh, he was in the game in twenty fifteen, as think? recent 2016? as twenty fifteen. Yeah, I think. But it was in the capacity of like he recorded some lines for the Ask Madden uh, uh, call, like your the, play the thing. Tutor- the, yeah. the tutorial. But the actual broadcasters have always varied, more like an actual game. Like you're watching the game on TV. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Madden, of course, uh, is the premier football game. Um, although nowadays it's it's not because of its quality and more just because it EA locked down the NFL license. So it is literally the only NFL game or football game that's allowed to use the teams of players. Right. Which, you know, you can make an argument that that kind of sucks uh, because you don't have that competition between other football uh, developers to see if there could be a, possibly a better game out there, but it means that you're going to reliably have a big football game every single year. Right. It's it's reliable. It's are you picking up the new Madden? No, I have last year's Madden. I'll yeah. just pick it up in another year or two. And it's it's fun. It's still a solid it game. It's not maybe as good as it used to be. Uh, it definitely has some peak years and some valleys. Mm-hmm. I think recently it hasn't been too too much. They did try the uh, the story mode in the last couple of years, yes. which kind of reinvigorated a little bit of the solo play of the game. Um, but yes. gen- but generally speaking, like it's the only game in town. So if you're gonna play football, you're gonna buy Madden. It's also one of the most coveted uh, covers. Oh yeah, in video games. Or uh, is it though? Because, because to talk about cover athletes on Madden, you also have to talk about the Madden curse. Yes, and how every time a player is on the Madden cover, uh-huh. that year they will get injured. Or something will happen. They yes. haven't all been injured. Some people just have maybe a slightly less stellar season than they have had before. Yeah. But there's always some sort of curse. It, it's dubbed the Allegedly. Madden curse. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, the more recent ones have been a stretch. Yes. But for the other football players out there, that's FIFA in the international side. And that is huge. Yeah. FIFA is a huge market for them now, especially because of how much... Uh, microtransactions are involved. There's a uh, lot of the buying things nowadays in well, FIFA. Not just that, but up until like two or three years ago, they were still making FIFA games for the PlayStation 2. Yes. Yeah, PS2. Uh, FIFA is huge sellers outside of the U.S. Yeah. And they put it for every console out there. Even though, yes, they're microtransactions now. Right. That kind of a plague the gameplay. A not only that, it was also a big uh, talking point earlier. Uh, uh, sorry, not earlier this year. Last year, when we were talking about the loot box stuff, um, there was a big right. uh, talk about how like certain countries that were banning uh, country for Belgium yeah, for that country. Yeah, for Belgium, I think specifically. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's funny how big of a of a selling point that is now for a FIFA game. Right, and FIFA is based off of the um, actual FIFA company. Right. Which uh, also has its own controversies those, and yes. issues, which we don't have time to get into. Good um, name that I kind of forgot about in terms of third party. Okay. That is Tom Clancy's. Yeah, yeah. We uh, uh, Do we want to segue out of EA already? Yeah, we'll also segue back into it, but okay. as we talk stuff out, uh, we'll do stuff. Um, but yeah, Tom Clancy's, 
the blank. <laughs> yeah, Tom Clancy's uh, uh, has a like. Well, first of all, that's a Ubisoft property. Ubisoft yes. now par- owns the trademark to Cl- Tom Clancy's blank as a name. Yeah. Which this has always been hilarious for me. They do not own the trademark to Tom Clancy. They do not. They only own this trademark that includes the possessive apostrophe and the S. <laughs> Tom Clancy's is the brand. Whenever you see somebody from UB talking about it, they have to refer to it as Tom Clancy's because they don't own Tom Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. It's fascinating. <laughs> so yeah, so this uh, goes back, of course, to uh, Rainbow, Rainbow Six, Six, which was the original Tom Clancy's uh, franchise, which was a strategic shooter. And then that kind of evolved as uh, as you went down the console generations. Like um, you had the, um, Ghost the advanced, Recon. yeah, Ghost Recon games on in the PS2 era. You had the advanced uh, Warfighter, which was Graw Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter yeah. on the 360. Um, you have some of the spinoffs like the the flying game Hawks. Uh, End War, which was the strategy, top down strategy game. Right. Even more most recently, the Division. And then, yeah, now The Division, uh, which is their kind of loot shooter open world game. Um, and then you've had uh, some more uh, recent uh, uh, editions in the, the Rainbow Six, including Rainbow Siege. Rainbow Six Siege, which is their current Rainbow right. Six title. Is Splinter Cell Splinter also Splinter Cell Tom? is technically also in this universe. Yes. Uh, it is also Tom Clancy. Although I think they de-emphasized that once it became a popular franchise on its own. Right. So yeah, it's um, de- generally known for being tactical shooters. Like shooter, usually there's shooting involved. Usually it's like less action, constant action, and more like I'm going to plan things ahead of time with my squad and go in carefully. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a certain kind of war game. Yeah, but some people like that kind of tactical stuff. Yeah. The once life, the setup, the working with your team. This is more of a team based than, mm-hmm. say, another shooter we're going to talk about right now, Call yeah. of Duty. Yeah, that's kind of the flip side of that coin. <laughs> uh, although it didn't start that way, Call of Duty uh, is was originally a team was made by a team who used to work on the Medal of Honor games for EA. They spun off. Made the original Call of Duty, which is world, which was a World War II game. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, the second one premiered, like uh, launched with the 360. And then after that, though, they they did like one more Call uh, Call of Duty in World War II, and then they yeah. decided, let's change things up, and they changed multiplayer shooters on console for with, with Call of Duty Four Modern yes. Warfare, which is still like yeah, which we're still seeing multiplayer shooters based their their uh, like perk system and their leveling system on. Right, and then they even upped that game with its sequel, Modern Warfare 2, yeah. which became the basis for basically every multiplayer online shooter since. Yeah, and every uh, Call of Duty since uh, those games has been based on that template. It's been a campaign, well, except for last year, mm-hmm. and it's going. it's been the online multiplayer, which has leveling, which has perks, which has now loot boxes, um, uh, now has, um, like... Uh, a customizable like uh, loadouts, loadouts, and uh, well, that's not what I was going on. Uh, like, um, oh, um, things you're gear. wearing, um, emblems and yeah, stuff. yeah, emblems and like emblems and perks, and yeah, that was a actually perks was a big part of what yes. made Call of Duty sell. It was a huge deal because especially the leveling. I think what got mm-hmm. me back in wow, ten years ago now, yes, when those games came out, I think it was really just that carrot on the stick 
of I gotta play a couple more matches to rank up so I can unlock this gun. Right. Like it was or this the red dot site for this gun I really like. Right. Or it's use this something keeping you going. It's use this specific uh, attachment ten times or get ten kills with it and then you'll yeah. unlock the next attachment. And the fact that you could prestige and then do it all over again was a excellent move. Oh yeah. And up until fairly recently, they were the biggest temple releases of every year. People used to line out line up in front of stores to get the next Call of Duty. It mm-hmm. was a big deal. Nowadays, I, there's more comp- competition in the shooter. Yeah, I believe right. I worked the midnight release for Modern <laughs> Warfare 2 when it wow. came out. 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's saying a lot right there. Um, oh, how far we've come. I know. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it was definitely one of my favorite things. I remember a lot of re- really good days in college, uh, coming home from classes and just playing whatever Call of Duty was out. Yep. It's, I think Call of Duty 4 was the first game I bought for... My PS3 when I yeah. like the day I picked up my PS3, I picked up Modern Warfare for or yeah, Modern Call Warfare for yeah. I, I remember I bought it and it was the first like game like outside of the Halo games that I really played online. Mm-hmm. Like it was the probably the first time I spent a lot of time playing online. It was actually the one game that made me want to get online, mm-hmm. and that's big. Yeah, that's big for because I think for a lot of people, if you weren't in the Xbox Halo camp or playing on PC or playing on PC, yeah. Everyone else, you're like, oh, I guess we have online capabilities, but I don't really yeah, know how to use it. Gateway to Xbox Live. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, what do we want to spin that off of? Um, Xbox Live. That was a good one. Well, I mean, we talked about a lot of first party party yeah, stuff, but there's a good one on Xbox Live that okay. we're gonna jump. That is the Grand Theft Auto series. Oh jeez. Okay. All right. Let's so, tackle this mountain of a boy. of a game. Series. I guess thinking about the modern interpretation, which is from three onward. Because yes. to talk about GTA is to talk about. Like, the the top-down first yeah, game. the first two games, which were PC exclusives. Well, I think there's actually a PlayStation 1 version of, like, the first game. I'm talking about from uh, San Andreas onward, But, yeah, the ones that matter started with 3, when basically uh, Rockstar North, as they're now known, back in the day, they were called DMA Design. Uh, but, yeah, I know all this useless information yes. about these franchises. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah... Um, the, that's when they basically created the template, the modern template for an open world game. They were like, what if we do a 3D game where you have a city, you can go anywhere in the city, and all the action happens and all these missions happen within this like giant sandbox. And that template still is what most open world games today are based on, like your Assassin's Creed's, your, uh, your like Infamous, your... Uh, crackdown. None of those games would have been po- possible if Rockstar hadn't been like, hey, let's try this new kind of video game. Right. It was no longer, here's a platforming, here's a linear yeah. concept of a level. It was go explore and the lo- yeah. the missions will come to you. And yeah. we'll create levels out of this world we've already built. In the PS2 era, the games were a lot about playing around in that play bo- uh, pl- playground. There was, there was story, but mostly you heard a lot of people making their own stories with it. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of people just saying, like, oh, yeah, I've never done any of the missions in this game. I just fire it up, I cause havoc for, like, an hour, and then I stop playing and I play, like, I play something else. It, like, I, from people who especially didn't play a lot of video games, they bought GTA games just to do that. Just to have that fun experience for, like, a few hours. That changed, though... With the 360 and when uh, GTA 4 came out. Because then Rockstar really started focusing on the campaign and the story they were telling. Mm-hmm. And the series all of a sudden became this like 
advancing game narrative series for Rockstar, where they were like, no, we're not, we're we're done just being a fun playground. We want to actually tell this crime story within out like with actual seriousness, and people mm-hmm. really really love the stories of four and five. Yeah, and five took it a step further mm-hmm. and put it online. And Rockstar hasn't released a game since. So, yeah, (laughs) this is the weird modern story here about about GTA. Because Rockstar, yeah, has turned GTA, instead of a game franchise, they turned this to, yeah, to this online, always on, always evolving experience with GTA Online, which I don't think anybody foresaw how successful it would be. No, um, I mean, if we want to call it, GTA V basically initialized actions for the console. Uh, I think it was part of that. And part mobile, yes. I think it was partly, like, it was just there at the right time. It was there when it was being popularized to a mainstream extent. Mm -hmm. I'd say that if you want to narrow down the DNA of when microtransactions were just starting to start, that would probably be Oblivion on the 360 and the horse armor. Mm. Remember that? Yes. Remember how pissed people were about the $15 horse armor? $15 horse armor. That seems so quaint now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um... But yeah, it was definitely at the right time for 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 the online to come out when loot boxes and all of those microtransactions were really hitting their stride. And yeah, it, uh, it's it's still today the most successful thing that Rockstar, arguably that Two K as a publisher, has in their stable. This thing that constantly makes them money, that constantly has a, a player base, and that isn't slowing down even how many years after the game came out like that was a last generation game oh yeah i mean i constantly see it on on the playstation store for 60 bucks i mean it's also gone down to like 30 now but still that game like just won't go away yeah so yeah uh yeah i think the question of course now is do they ever put out another gta i don't don't know i don't well in the next console cycle they will maybe but that's that's even a big maybe. I mean, they just put out... We should give them a little bit of a break because we they did just put out Red Dead Redemption 2. Yes. Which was also a huge undertaking and did probably take a lot of their development time. Oh, yes. So it's not like it's and like... And was awesome. And yes, and was beloved by a lot of a lot of people. Uh, people love that game. Well, yes, they had not a plan. Me, but people love that game. They, they had <laughs> a plan. So yeah, like I get that, but like... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I get that... Yes, it's it's a company that they're meant to make money. It's just we wish that they would. Um, I would like make to at least see if they had any new ideas for what a GTA would be now. Uh, but G- we'll see. I don't know. But uh, we mentioned GTA uh-huh. basically. Oh, did the open world sandbox game, and you yeah. mentioned a game that we're going to jump into now. Yes, the Assassin's Creed series. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. So this is a complicated one. Yes. Um, I feel like what Assassin's Creed is now in like. As of 2018, is way different than it was back in 07 when the first one came out. When the first game came out, it was different and different in a good way. It but was also set, in a bad way. Also in a way, it was an open world. Yeah, it was in a time period that was largely untouched by yeah. video games, and you ran around and maybe isn't as cool now as it was as as concept back in. 2007 mm-hmm. was that this was an opportunity to make games about places you don't see in games yeah like no one could imagine like all these like like places being approached in a game historical uh places that were never the setting for a video game it, not just historical places but historical 
um, events as well. Yeah, and camera and people. Like real people are in these games. So we're getting a little out of ourselves, but like yes. yeah, like Assassin's Creed basically took open world stuff that GTA introduced and said, let's put this into a historical setting based loosely on real events and real people and then tell this kind of parallel story with it about this current day slash future uh, setting in which somebody is like hooked up to a machine seeing all of their ancestors do these things or like calling their the company is calling their memories to like get data about this mysterious assassins guild and the templar knights templar that they fought I, I thought the knights templar angle was brilliant yeah it's, it's a cool way of uniting all of the disparate elements into one yes but you did have to take one giant leap of faith not, <laughs> not just in the game and into a bale of hay yeah not just that <laughs> I just leave the faith into the game, but yeah, yeah. a suspension of belief that your DNA <laughs> also has these memories of yeah. your great great ancestors. And I remember back then, some people really thought that hook was cool. Like I, I, I knew people who thought actually the future stuff was more interesting than the past stuff, especially in those in the first uh, two games. Mm-hmm. Like, and then yeah, so people fell really deeply in love with the characters, especially in the. Trilogy two, of two. The two. People the Ezio. love Ezio and the Italian Renaissance setting that those games were set in. Uh, maybe the last one, Revelation, less. But but the other two, like people love those games. Oh well, yeah, it was set in a place that people wanted to visit of, yeah. of ancient Italy. And I think of the, the Renaissance the series really hit its stride there. Yes, and then we <laughs> get into three and the American Revolution, and things kind of slide from there. So the thing is, I think what they realized was that they they kind of had the lost problem like lost the television series where they had an idea about how they wanted to end it but then they realized this is a video game franchise and that they wanted to keep it going and the problem with that is is that even if you had an ending in mind you basically have to throw it in the trash and then try to see all the different ways you can kind of play around with this concept within the same parameters and And so by the time you get to like four and five they've completely tossed the whole like animus like modern day stuff out the window and now it's just completely about let's have as much fun as we can in these historical environments and i think the series has benefited from that it's no longer tied to this bigger story that's going on present day it's more focused on uh fake history so in how, a sense. <laughs> so how do you actually enjoy these as games, though? Because that's the that, that was something we haven't really talked about here, is I can't stand how they feel. I love the first three games. Okay. I played them to death. Yeah. Uh, I bought Assassin's Creed Unity for the Xbox One because it was fresh out, and I thought, hey, I haven't played Assassin's Creed in yeah. a while. This is on the new console. This looks good. I'll play it. <laughs> And as everyone knows now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Unity was one of the worst games in the series. Unity was the one that launched with like a billion bugs. And oh yes, it was like practically on fire when it came out. So yeah, that's the thing is that this game has had it has gone on so long now that it's definitely had peaks and valleys. It's become one of those annual things where it's like, okay, where are they going to put this year's Assassin's Creed yeah. in? Right? Do they have multiple teams working on multiple games at right. the same time? Where the story that they wanted to tell is longer there, and it's yeah. just, okay, here's this year's edition of Assassin's Creed. Thankfully, now that they fixed a little bit of that, they've actually been taking a year off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an out every two years franchise. Yes. And so, yeah, people, uh, I think, enjoyed the last couple of games a lot more than um, 
ones prior to that. And yes, they, they uh, really rebounded origins, with uh, origins with with Odyssey. Uh, yeah, or, origins and then Odyssey. Yes, uh, Odyssey maybe less so than Origins. No, Origins was the first one, the Egypt one, the Egypt one, and then Odyssey is the the Greek. Yeah, the Greek the Greece one. And then it seems like uh, uh, the series keeps cooking because the 2020 release, it looks like, will be in um, a Viking kind of um, uh, a Norse. Yeah, Norse, uh, Norse area. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be neat to see what they do with that. Yeah. All right. Um, what's next? What's next? Where are we going to go from here? Where do we go from killing people to not <laughs> killing people? <laughs> I don't know. What do you got? <laughs> Uh, you should have a list. Oh no, we have a list in front of you. I mean, Assassin's Creed is kind of a fantasy. I mean, okay. essentially, it's a fantasy. Sure. Um, oh, no, it's not though. But well, I mean, it is. It but... is. It's historical fantasy. <laughs> I see where you're going here. Where am I going? Go ahead. Finish. You seem to be saying fantasy a lot. Yes. Oh, we're going to start talking about Fantasy Star. Okay, well, this is our Sega segment, right? Yeah, no. Yes. I know you're going to talk about Final Fantasy. Yes, but, but first <laughs> we're going to talk about Sega, because that is a largely <laughs> missed opportunity for us to talk about. Yeah. Because Sonic and everything okay. in on the Sega Dreamcast, uh, may you rest about, in peace. We have to talk about Sonic. I mean, he is, mul- well, I guess he's not multi-platform anymore, but he was. He still is. Yeah, I mean, he is. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah. I think that the problem with Sonic is that... He's got a live-action movie coming up. Well, that's a whole other problem. <laughs> no, the problem with Sonic is that, like, I'm one of those people who don't think Sonic was ever good. <laughs> so I don't know if I should even speak here. Oh, but, yes, uh, it's it's one of those weird uh, things. Like, there's a huge following for Sonic the Hedgehog. People love Sonic the Hedgehog, the character... People love Sonic games. Like, those those first three Sega Genesis games are beloved mm-hmm. by people who are not me. Uh, and, yeah, like, people love Sonic the Hedgehog. Some uh, a little bit more than others. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> definitely one of those franchises where it has its fan base, and then it has its core fan base. <laughs> yeah, there will, be, there will be no end to Sonic games because Sonic fans will always buy Sonic games. The problem is, is that Sega doesn't realize... That or Sega knows that they will, and so they don't actually put the time and like care into making them good. Most Sonic games, most games with Sonic on, in the name, have been absolute garbage. Shadow. Yeah, Shadow the Hedgehog comes to mind. All the like the the three sixty era Sonic games, yeah, Sonic but, the Hedgehog in 06. But thankfully, uh, I think we've come all the way full circle to where the developers who. Or the the kids who played the games yes. and enjoyed them are now the developers of said game. Well, that's key because the only Sonic game in recent memory that people have loved was that newest game, Mania. That, yeah, Sonic Mania, uh, which is fan developed. It is a fan game published by Sega. Essentially, they hired some people who are making fan games on the internet and basically said, "Hey, you guys make one of these things." And sure enough, it ended up being. The most popular and best-selling Sonic game in years because who knew people not who are not Sega can actually make a good one. <laughs> what do you know? But then they ended up completely throwing out all that goodwill by putting another crappy Sonic game out immediately after that. Yep. So, uh, but we'll see him in the Olympics coming up here. <laughs> yes, we sure will. But yeah, so it's like it's an interesting franchise because yeah, like you have people who swear up and down about those Genesis games. You have people who even love the Sonic Adventure games. Mm-hmm. 
again, not me, no. but people are out there. So yeah, you will always they will always make more because he's always going to be loved. So the blue hedgehog, everybody knows him. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's go back to what we were saying originally. <laughs> yeah, can we talk about Final Fantasy? Yes, we talk about the the, the finalist of the fantasies. Oh jeez, uh, that has fifteen titles plus. Uh, yeah, not including the spinoffs. Yes, and so, sequels. So direct sequels. Originally, it was called Final Fantasy Going Under. They had yeah. enough. In their tank, enough uh, runway, uh, capitalized, yeah. uh, to make one game. And they thought yes. it was just going to be one game. So that's why they called it Final Fantasy. So, okay. So you tell that story because that's a very commonly told story. Yes. It's not 100% based on fact. Like, from what I understand is that that story may or may not be made up. Oh, no. It's totally like, made up. <laughs> yeah. So it's like... But it's nice to believe that that's... Like, I think really it just sounds cool. And it has oh, that... It, life, is. it has that, like... As the the, the uh, same uh, letter has the alliteration going for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Final Fantasy, of course, is the game that popularized Japanese RPGs in the U.S. Uh, I mean, it took forever for that to happen. It took about seven titles for it to get there, but... Yeah, Final Fantasies were released on NES and Super NES before that, uh, before 7 came out in 97, uh, but it, they were kind of niche titles. In fact, the U.S. audiences didn't even get two of them. Uh, Final Fantasies... Three, or two, three, two, and five, three were never released in the U.S. in the original forms. They would come later in compilation packages. But yeah, we got one on NES. We got what we called two, which was really four for the Super <laughs> NES, and what and three, which was really six. six. Um, and that's all American payoff. And it broke. Basically, Square realized that U.S. audiences would be wowed by the cutscenes, and so they launched a enormous advertising campaign in the u.s based solely on how good those cutscenes looked on the playstation and it worked people were sold by oh this is a cool like animated thing does the game really look like this i don't care i'm gonna buy a playstation and they did (laughs) and the rest is history but what it did is it ended up being a trojan horse to get people you u.s audiences interested in japanese video games Mm -hmm. and they didn't even realize that that was that was working but it totally worked so now you have a generation, our generation, of people who grew up playing Final Fantasy VII, and, and it got them into Japanese culture. I mean, they Final Fantasy did make more games, 8, 9, 10, yeah. 11, 12, 13, 13 <laughs> versus 14, yeah, 15 tactics, yes. But yeah, it allowed, it allowed for their to be a global... X, X2, yeah. and it, the remasters. It opened the door to a global audience for something that was pretty other japanese rpgs coming over you saw u.s teams trying to tackle things that were like japanese rpgs you saw traditionally rpg elements being in other kinds of video games most notably modern warfare like Mm -hmm. we just talked about if it wasn't for leveling up being such a common video game trope by the time 2007 came out 10 years after then then yeah the i don't think that game would have been would have been the same like, the entire, like, DNA of video games changed because video, Japanese video games mattered more than they had ever mattered before. Well, not just in their um, gameplay, but in their storytelling as well. But then, yeah, as the Final Fantasies go on, like, yet another example of when you have a series that goes as long as this one does, it's going to have peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. There have been ones that people love, like those PlayStation 1 ones. Our beloved, 7, 8, 9, they all have their huge fans. The big ones are 7, 8, and 10. 
And those are the ones that have gotten remasters. For sure, yeah. And 10, yeah, by the time you get to 10 uh, with PS2, uh, they they did so much with that series that, yeah, they did two direct sequels to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I guess, wait, one direct sequel? They did one sequel, X2, right. X2 and X2. then they, they uh, remastered it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Was there not a 10? No, no, you're thinking of 13. Yeah, I am thinking of 13. Because there's 13, <laughs> like, there's 13, 13, like, between right, returns, returns and then 13 30. verses. And then there was supposed to be a 13 versus 2, uh, which ended up being Final Fantasy 15. Right, yeah. And I've got a bone to pick with that one in particular. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, oh, but what we're not. But before you get to that, though, we should briefly mention, of course, 11 and 14, which are the Dark Horses, because that was Square On, making MMOs. They yes. basically saw the success of World of Warcraft and said, hey, we have a, per- a franchise that would be perfect to slot right into this. And tried uh, an MMO with Eleven. Some people loved it. I mean, people still too technically play Eleven, even though Fourteen exists. Mm-hmm. Then later, they kind of tried it again with Fourteen once technology caught up to their vision. Uh, but yeah, uh, but then of course, yes, you have the insanity of how long it took for Fifteen to exist, and the weird thing that it is being based on a spinoff to Thirteen, and then now its own kind of thing. Yeah, uh, but that's I mean. It, that's kind of what Square, SquareSoft, eventually Square Enix, yeah. kind of did at the time. Yeah. Uh, even now. And while we're talking about that company, yeah, we're going to bring it into my oh, wheelhouse over here. this your bone to pick? This is my bone to pick. All uh, right. Of course, so, yeah, when we talk about Final Fantasy, we also have to talk about his little brother. Yes. <laughs> not, not so little brother little brother anymore. Yeah, Standing on his own two feet without its help. <laughs> Uh, in this latest iteration, uh, Kingdom Hearts. Uh, yeah, so Kingdom Hearts, it's, yeah, imagine if Final Fantasy and Disney, Disney. Uh, behind the barn and, uh, you know, did their thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> funny enough, it's, it's because they shared a building that this thing even happened. Yeah, it was like the marketing wing of Disney, but yeah, yeah. it was like there were people, uh, uh, Disney people that they routinely met with. And so Tetsuya Nomura... Uh, the Lip. brainchild of the series, also the character designer who brought us the characters in Final Fantasy VII, speaking of, mm-hmm. um, yeah, kind of had this idea that he wanted to make an action game, one, and then two, he wanted to make something with Disney characters. He wanted something that was basically going to live beyond um, Square properties, and so they decided, well, everybody loves Disney characters, let's get Disney characters, mm-hmm. and the rest is history. And here we are, 20 years later. Yeah, so... Well, no, 15 years later. But. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts is weird because, like, I feel like it's both incredibly accessible and inviting, mm-hmm. and also inaccessible and impossible to... Pe- like, impenetrable. It, it's easy <laughs> to come in because, oh, Disney characters. I like Disney. I also, know where I'm at. Also, it's an action game. It's, it's something you can pick up and play a little bit more reasonably than a Final Fantasy. You're not learning as many rules and mechanics you're more just oh this is the button where i hit things okay x x x x yes. x it's really that game and press triangles to win but they turn around and then make it impossible to follow is that there were such delays between the main iterations that they put out endless spin-offs which complicated the story and made it impossible to explain to the layman and if we were going back to our original setup where <laughs> um, 
multi-platform video games is what we originally called this set, this yeah. um, bracket, the multi-platforms, Kingdom Hearts would have won because it is literally the only thing <laughs> that is multi-platform yeah, to, you have to play to understand the story. It's pretty much been on every major console. It's major been console on PS2, yeah. DS, 3DS, PS3, XPSP, Xbox. <laughs> uh, no, it has been on the PC. Oh, because that's a browser game too. Yes, right? that's a browser game okay, too. Okay, it's been on everything except for an Xbox 360, I guess, since PS2. Yes. It's pretty impressive. Or any uh, Nintendo home console. Nintendo home console, yeah. Although it seems like... But it's been on the DS and signs, 3DS. All signs point to them doing something on Switch next I'm sure time. they will. It's, it's a no-brainer. Switch is so big in Japan. Yes. Uh, but anyways, uh, but yeah, it is definitely an example of um, a universe that got so big that it's just bursting at the seams. There's so much in this in this universe and so many stories to tell in this universe that they literally don't have enough games to tell it. Well, I mean, <laughs> the story itself is so large that you need a three-hour lecture yes. just to understand a single plot, the main yeah. story. There are people who are like three different people. There are people who are the same people in different timelines. There is literal time travel in this game. People exist in data form inside of computers in this in this universe there are uh, there are distinguished uh, like there are distinguishing marks between things that have souls hearts bodies and like there are so many weird definitions about what you have and what you aren't there's feelings there's dreams there's yeah. there's people uh, who are copies hearts. of people but then there's actually copies of people there's replicas <laughs> <laughs> there's <laughs> uh, there's data version there's replicas yeah, there's insane. yes it's insane and all of this while also weirdly being a Disney movie recap game. Yeah. Like, if you just want Cliff Notes versions of your favorite Disney movies, Kingdom Hearts is also that. <laughs> they, they, they set most of the Disney worlds in their own universe, so right. they have to follow their own movie logic. And weirdly enough, there's not actually a whole lot of crossover between the actual story that the games are telling and the Disney stories. There'll be, like, the occasional villain who shows up, and like maybe whisper something in the Disney villain's ear, mm -hmm. but really they keep those worlds separate, just as they're separate worlds in the world of the video game. And uh, it's it's very rare that anything actual anything plot wise actually advances related to the Disney characters. And I want to say that maybe on purpose. That is definitely on purpose. Yeah. That's a Disney call. Yeah, they want to keep their uh, their Disney universes. In their own universes. And they can't communicate with each other either. You can't have Hercules somehow talking to uh, Aladdin. That's not going to happen. Those... Which is funny because at the very first game you have the so-called princesses of heart okay. all together at the very end talking right. with each other. But from what I understand now is that that is a no-no outside of an actual Disney film. Yes. Well, outside of Wreck-It Ralph 2. Yeah, I was going to say, outside of when they say it's okay. Yes, outside of when movie. they acknowledge what yeah. is a Disney princess. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's interesting. It's an interesting franchise because it feels like it is, yeah, it is super welcoming because Disney is for everybody, but it's become also super insular. And it's just this fascinating example of, of just contra like the weirdest contradictions. I don't know. I mean, it's the perfect example of West meets East. It is also, yeah. In Disney being the West. And yeah, it's classically Western. Yeah, Final Fantasy being the East. And it's becoming less and less that. It yeah. seems like, from what I understand, this is, uh, sorry, minor spoilers for Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, from what I understand about the 
bonus ending, the secret ending, mm-hmm. um, is that they may be hinting that they're getting away from the Disney element of the series. Yeah. It seems like they're 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 at least saying, hey, there's a version of this this game where we don't have to necessarily tell Disney stories, and maybe we can start telling Square Enix stories. It's actually the reason that there's very few Final Fantasy characters in yeah. in Kingdom Hearts 3, because that universe is so built out now that they no longer need people to come in because, oh, I like that Final Fantasy character, yeah. so I'm going to pick up this game. No, it's become its own thing, so they're not reliant on it. But you know what I hope that the real takeaway from that ending, though, is? Give me uh, uh, The World Ends With You too. <laughs> That's all I want. That's a good game. It is a good game. Anyways. Uh, anyways, if you thought Kingdom Hearts' story was really um, huge and bloated and unable to understand, <laughs> wait till you hear our next game. Oh, God, what do we got? We have um, a game uh, that's... that's got a big boss in it oh jeez yeah i guess we do have to talk about metal gear yes metal gear solid uh so yeah metal gear solid i mean technically metal gear is a, a franchise in itself there were metal gear games that preceded solid okay but nobody really cared they were like first consoles well some of them were for consoles that weren't even like popular in the united states mm-hmm. uh but yeah uh metal gear solid is when you have that jumping off point right it's the current story with solid snake or i guess not current anymore huh uh, yeah, that's where he's over. Obsessively. Yes, uh, but Konami, the the yeah, big the big battle. Video games. Yeah, it was video games. <laughs> well, they they were arcade games, and then they took their hand at yeah. a home console. So yeah, by the time Solid came out, it was 1998. It was the biggest PlayStation release of the year. I mean, it was basically what Sony had to uh, go against Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it was like a big release at the time, and it was a stealth game in an era where that was still relatively not something that came out all the time. It was the stealth game that popularized the 3D stealth game. It was like, this is how you do this now. Uh, It definitely established how that kind of thing works in 3D. And so, yeah, it was like, it wasn't, there was action, there were shooting, there was elements like that, but it was less about, uh, about that action and more about, like, strategically sneaking through the, 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 the missions and doing it without getting caught. Well, yeah, that was a big part of it, where if you got caught, that, that was it. Level was over. There was no, oh, you're caught, guns ba- guns a-blazing now. No, that's actually how Solid was. No, not the first one. The first one? Yeah, I've, I've recently played it. Huh. Yeah. What am I thinking of, then? You you die really fast. Well, yeah. Super, yeah, it, like, the game is tuned in a way where you are completely defenseless if they catch you. But you can, in theory, try to fight them off. But, yeah, it, you won't be very successful, especially early on in the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it was a, it, as the game kind of progressed, though, as you said, they really leaned into making the story uh, as convoluted and as weird and out there as possible. It went anime in a, in a big way. And not, not just in that kind of way, but also in terms of... Which is where I think this started, uh, getting into this kind of territory. You had super lengthy 30-minute-plus cutscenes. So by the time you get to 4 on the PS3... We're talking 90-minute cutscenes. We're talking about, like, the bulk of that game being something you don't play. And that turned off a lot of people. But it also made a lot of people really, really invested in these wacky characters and this insane story. I wouldn't say wacky characters, but this really big story they're telling. 
So yeah, and of course, all of this is the brainchild of Hideo Kojima, mm-hmm. uh, who a lot of people called an auteur at the time because of how like much he put his personal touch on these games. And uh, well, he of course had a falling out over at Konami. He's no longer with them. He's at his own production studio making a game that seems just as batshit crazy. That nobody knows what it is, but he's been teasing it for the past three or four years now. Yeah. And supposedly it's coming out this year, but who the hell knows? Yeah. What was that thing called? Um, I forget. After Before. Or, no. Death, Death Baby. Death Stranding? Death Stranding. Death Stranding. Yeah, that game looks stupid, but yeah, it looks, it looks super weird. But anyway, so yeah, like, it, as the franchise went on, like, a lot, uh, because it was more about, like, it added survival elements to the stealth gameplay. It was largely outdoors, and it had a lot of memorable boss fights. Uh, for, I think, a lot of people complained about the, the length of cutscenes and mm-hmm. how self-serious it got, and the fact that it had to basically wrap up all the, all the plot lines from the previous three games in, like, <laughs> one game. But then with 5, I think it redeemed a lot. Uh, a lot of people really love, like, how 5 controls. Some people say it's the best one in the series because of how, like must have refined that kind of gameplay and put it in an open-world context. Uh, but now the question is, is like, is this even a franchise anymore? They put out that one, uh, Metal Gear Survive, last year without Kojima that was like a weird like survival game, and nobody cared. No, I, I think it's safe to say that this is a done franchise. Yeah. Uh, the only thing they would do is do a reboot, and not call it Metal Gear Solid. You call it Metal Gear something, something else. else. Metal Gear, which they did. Metal Gear Revengeance. Oh, yeah. And that entire series. This, so <laughs> the only uh, Metal Gear game that I've uh, finished and enjoyed, by the way, is Revengeance. <laughs> I highly recommend it. It was actually free on um, Xbox like a month ago. It was one of the gold games. Oh. Yeah. I, it might still be. I don't know if it still is. You should check. But yeah, uh, it, I recommend that game. It's stupid. <laughs> But it's good. Blades everywhere. Oh yeah, you're chopping up robots, giant robots. It's amazing. Yeah, but if you want to, if you want blades in your mouth uh-huh. and everywhere, Whoa, and no, chop- I, I definitely do not want well, blades in my mouth. No, but you. if you want blades and guns and just killing stuff up like nonstop, I love killing stuff up nonstop. There's nonstop. another game out there that we can need to talk about. <laughs> okay, the Devil May Cry series. Yeah, so I guess while we're uh, kind of like uh, segueing off of Revengeance, a character action game. We should talk about the biggest character action franchise, which is, yeah, Devil May Cry. So you mm-hmm. just finished five. So yes. you, this is fresh in your mind. Oh, it is fresh in my mind. Um, this story is succinct. This is what, it, like, people kind of, like, bash this that, oh, no, the story is no good. Like, it's so simple. But there's layers to these stories, and there's layers to the combat, and there's yeah. layers to these games. There's a reason that they make these games. However, Capcom being Capcom, doesn't quite want to make these games. And that's where a lot of the problem comes with in this community. It actually has an interesting history, too. So the original Devil May Cry comes out of a... When the company was still trying to figure out what a Resident Evil 4 was going to be. It became that behind-the-back third-person shooter that we know it now. They were messing around with the idea of having it to be like a character action game. And so what was a, like, version of... uh, 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 Resident Evil 4 is what Devil May Cry became. And they decided to spin it off as its own thing because of how different it ended up being from traditional Resident Evil. And yeah, I think they're better for it. Yeah. So yeah, like that's that's another example of like I think people kind of didn't like the second one 
but, no. but by the time three and four came around, I think yeah, people started getting really, really into it. Yeah, especially with three because it introduced a big element of confining the story to this specifically why your hero was chosen, specifically why it's this family uh, instead of just oh you just happen to be here, yeah, which made it more narratively sound. Uh, but, especially with Devil May Cry 5, this feels more like a handoff of the baton mm-hmm. to a new franchise, to a new generation, to a new style of gameplay and storytelling that they can tell. And it's exciting to see where they can go from here, because mm-hmm. it's now a f- f- fresh, blank slate, essentially. Yeah, and it's um, it's a good, like, consistent example. And we were talking about this on the regular podcast a little bit with 5. But yeah, it's a really good example of that franchise. I think maybe it's, it might not be the peak of it. I think maybe that's Bayonetta. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I definitely think that it was it's super consistent. Whenever it does show up, it's like a really good example of how to make one of those games. And I love the tone of it too, because it's like, it can be serious sometimes, but it's so, so over the top that you can't not just be like, all right, okay, this is ridiculous, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're dealing with devils and demons here. Yeah, it has to literal be little, devils, little, literal or, demons. A little over the top. Yeah. Uh, but uh, something that's not as big of a devil or demon, we you brought up real briefly, mm-hmm. I think we could talk about now, is the Resident Evil franchise. So yeah, so this is Capcom's bread and butter, besides their fighting series, which we should also talk about. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like Resident Evil, of course... In, uh, like popularized the genre of survival horror in video games with that PlayStation game like it proved that like not only can we make an action game like fun but we can make it scary like they they created a game that where you feel powerless more than you feel powerful it's the opposite of the usual uh, video game um, story where you're like oh like I have enough in my arsenal to beat everything that I like I, I encounter. Instead, survival horror puts you in a situation where no, you are always going to be outnumbered. You're always going to be outgunned. You're mm-hmm. always going to be in a situation where you are at risk. You need to survive, so you need to make sure you have the tools to survive, and also you can navigate the landscape to go to a safe place if needed. And so yeah, and like they managed to. Really scares some people with those first couple. Yeah, I mean, it's like true horror games. Uh, people yeah. were literally, are literally scared. Even most recently, they came out with a VR experience mm-hmm. for it, and people were live streaming it and screaming and yelling and crying because yeah. it because uh, of because of a video game. Of course, only now have they returned to its horror roots because yes. if you've been following the franchise, oh, by the time you get up, to but... by the time you get to three. Four, Four and, and five, five and six, especially, yep. they've focused less and less on the actual horror elements and started making them video games with the capital V, especially four. Four, of course, a lot of people say is the qual- like the peak of the game's quality when they became the most playable. Four is a very, very good game. It's like the controls were excellent at the time. Um, it popu- helped popularize, alongside uh, Gears of War a couple years later, helped popularize behind-the-back third-person shooters. It was a completely new approach for the franchise that I think helped reboot it in the, the public consciousness. People mm-hmm. cared about uh, Resident Evil again as they hadn't in like th- when, with 3, Code for Veronica, and Nemesis. Like, no one really cared about those games as much as 4. But then, yeah, they kind of ran into the ground when they did it two more times with 5 and 6. 
Well, it's because the actual like horror element went to a different franchise, Silent Hill. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Over Konami, speaking yes. of them. Um, so yeah, like it be, it became a different thing than it had been. But as you said, with the uh, with the re- recent Resident Evil Seven, um, which was the first person game, mm-hmm. uh, they decided to go back to no, you're back in a like an ostensibly a haunted house. And this is back to being a horror game. Right. Enough so to where they're just going to reboot 2, I think? So they did. And they... (laughs) Yeah, that switched things up again because then they're now technically remaking the second game. But also making it a new game. Yeah. And people have loved it. That's that's the thing. Make... uh, Bring in elements of that... uh, Of 7 into 2... And make a completely new new experience that people have been really enjoying. So yeah, I think that Resident Evil is an example of something that lasted just long enough to swing back into being good again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about open worlds and shooters, yeah. and we'd be really reminiscent if we didn't bring up at least some fighting games. Yes. Uh, so we have one that's that you love, and that's uh, mm-hmm. Soul Calibur. Yep. Yep. Uh, which most recently just came out with a game, Soul Calibur Six, and that game, those games are fun because they introduce a lot of interesting characters to their roster every single time. <laughs> yeah. Kind of makes you want to buy it because you want to play as those characters. Yeah. I mean, before it became known as the guest character fighter, it was uh, unique at the time because it was weapon based. It was basically like, uh, well, uh, uh, Namco, who develops it. Uh, basically said, hey, what if we did our Tekken games, except if people were holding swords? And that uh, became the arcade game Soul Edge. Which then, the sequel to Soul Edge is Soul Calibur. Um, And yeah, it it made a big splash, especially on consoles, because Soul Calibur launched alongside the Dreamcast back in 1999. Oh, so long ago. 20 years ago, believe it or not. Uh. Soul Calibur won, 20 years old this year. Uh, but yeah, and so it made a big deal, uh, like it, 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 like out of, out of like how good a fighting game could be on a console in three D, with weapon based combat, and yeah, people loved that first game. People loved that second game uh, when they started doing the guest characters, mm-hmm. like Link on the GameCube one. I mean, who didn't play Link the who didn't GameCube we? one? Because <laughs> everybody wanted to play Link. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then, like, as the series went on, yeah, you got more crazier and crazier guest characters. Star Wars people in 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, now, like, what they're doing is, like, the, the platform-specific stuff. Um, like... I think that Kratos in there for one? Yeah, Kratos was in... Uh, 3? 3, yeah. Because that was a PlayStation 2 exclusive. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, most recently, in 6, you had the, the Witcher from The Witcher. Yep. And uh, uh, 2B from Near Automata. So we're running out of time here, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we knew we would. I knew this would happen. But yeah, um, we scratched the surface real, real quickly. Just brought off yeah. some games like The Witcher, like Near Automata. We didn't even talk about Mass Effect. I wanted to talk about Mass Effect on these. Mass movies. Effect, um, <laughs> Capcom Fallout. versus series Fallout, yeah, Street Fighter, Street Fighter, Tekken. We briefly <laughs> mentioned Tekken. That's why the problem about doing this is that if we did. The real version of this, it would be five hours long. Like he's like said, this is only an hour. We're gonna keep yeah. it to an hour, and we've talked about thirteen games probably at least. Mm. And so just just by that, trying to narrow it down to one would be impossible. Yeah. However, we both agree that there is a single winner here. 
<laughs> oh yeah, no, there is there is an actual winner here. Yes, uh, even though we've mentioned all these games and games uh, franchises that we haven't mentioned, we collectively off podcast, <laughs> I guess, yes. as we were going through this list originally, had decided on a single winner for this category and quite possibly the entire thing. Do you want to? Would you like to do the honors? Well, yeah, it's Tetris. <laughs> Tetris is the best video game that's ever been made. Everybody knows that. Yes. Anybody can just see Tetris and be like, oh yeah, I know Tetris, and play it. People immediately know what Tetris is. They can they can understand the rules. It's like, it's beyond a video game. It's like, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. It's just this thing that has always existed and will always exist. Uh, <laughs> they redo Tetris every, every console generation. Uh, Tetris be started mm-hmm. on the Game Boy. It came with every Game Boy that was sold, and people played it because it's a never-ending puzzle. There yeah. is no end to Tetris. If you think there's an end to Tetris, you're bad. You're wrong. <laughs> well, you lose. That's yes, the thing. you it's, lose. The end of Tetris is when you stopped being able to play Tetris on its terms. But even Tetris itself has evolved with the mm-hmm. times. They've got Tetris multiplayer. Yeah. They've got Tetris battle. They've got head-to-head. They've got marathon. They've got speed. Even so much as to earlier last year... They did Tetris 99, a Battle Royale version of Tetris. Tetris will never die. Yeah, it's very telling that, um, that we kind of had this Tetris renaissance, or Tetrenaissance, as some, I forget who made that Twitter show. That's not mine. Uh, so I can't, take, I can't take ownership of it. But yeah, uh, last year with, like you said, Tetris 99 on Switch, which was this Battle Royale version. But then, of course, my game of the year last year... Tetris Effect for the PlayStation 4, which was just Tetris, but done in the most stylistic, cool, innovative way that it just blew my entire head off. Like, Tetris is still relevant because it is timeless. It will never get old. You can never have a version of Tetris that will ever, like, seem seem a, like, like it's aged because it's just a timeless concept. Well, it's because it is. It's Tetris. It's... Never going away. The only way you get rid of Tetris is if you clear the lines. Yeah, you literally get rid of them. Yep. Alright. Uh, we got to get rid of this podcast. Yes, and with about two minutes left, I think it's time to wrap it up and say Tetris is yes. our winner. <laughs> podcast. If you want to listen to our regular podcast, that's on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday we are live uh, between 6 and 7 Pacific Time, uh, p.m. Pacific Time, I should say. Uh, we're on YouTube. Search YouTube for Media Boat Podcast. If you want to listen to the audio version, uh, Google uh, Media Boat Podcast, and you'll find us on Apple Podcasts or any RSS feed-driven podcast service. Uh, you can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we are at at Media Boat... Ca- or Media... Wait. At Media Boat Cast. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, Facebook, we're Media Boat Podcast. Just find our page by searching in the search window. You can find us on Twitch.tv when we stream video games. Uh, like the ones we mentioned earlier. You can find us on Patreon if you want to help us out. Even a dollar a month can help us out. Uh, make even more bonus podcasts like this, maybe. Uh, one of the things that we can work towards. So yeah, patreon.com slash mediaboat if you want to donate as little as a dollar every month to us. And uh, that will uh, do it. Uh, until next time. Yeah, uh, real quickly, rattle off a bunch of video games we did not talk about. Video game... No. Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> we already did that. I know. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.